be together here this morning. I hope you both have a good week, ready for God to do something great in your life. I always, I always come with expectation. I think we're all just a little tired this morning. You had problems sleeping, I had problems sleeping. Uh, but one thing about it, God can work through all that. and He can give us the energy that we need uh, here this morning. Let's bow our heads one more time. Let's ask God to open our hearts to the Word of God. We thank you, Jesus, for what you've already done and for your many blessings. And we pray that, God, you would open our hearts, our minds, and our ears to the engrafted Word which is able to save our soul. We know, God, that we cannot do this without you. And regardless, Jesus, of how much we think we know, we know, God, that through your Word we can always have our hearts open to more goodness, more mercy, more understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, now, how many books in the New Testament? 66. A whole Bible. That's good. 27. Yeah, 27, good. 39, the Old Testament, you've got three letters in Old, nine letters in Testament, three times nine, 27, you've got the New Testament. All right. That's now, how you do it. Okay. <laughs> that's, just, that's how you have to do it. Thinking all that stuff, it's odd. You know, wouldn't it be easy to just remember 27 and, and 39, but I have to go back and remember that. So, um, why, did, uh, why did Jesus teach in parables? So it would be, more, uh, be the same word uh, from different... Yeah, uh, just uh, to, to simplify things. See, yeah, see. To, to simplify. That, that's good. It's good to simplify. When Jesus was on the cross, the last thing that he said was, it is finished. And when he said that it is finished, exactly what was he, what, what was he saying was finished? Do you remember? I, I'm pretty sure we covered that. I couldn't remember exactly. The, I think it is for the uh, sacrifice uh, very good. The law, the, the law of sacri- ceremonial sacrifices. You know, there's three, there's three different types of law, which in the Old Testament we'll talk about. There's the judicial law, ceremonial law, and the moral law. There's three different kinds of them. Yeah. He did away with the ceremonial law and the judicial law, the moral laws. He, he made it a little bit more stringent, in the, in the, or a little harder, if you would, in the New Testament when he taught on the mountain, you know, and the, the Beatitudes. He made him just a little harder, and the reason it's a little harder is because he expected man to receive his spirit, which would enable man to be obedient to, to those areas. And, and uh, again, we'll see just a little bit more of that in the, in the Old Testament. Uh, that's good. Um, how, many, how many apostles did Jesus have? Twelve. Twelve apostles. Very good. Who was Jesus Christ? We covered that last week. Who was he? Was he just a man? Was he just a good teacher? Was he a prophet? Who was he? I think he was an angel to start with because how could he be a, how can he be without sex? Mm-hmm. So he has to be something. It has to be, it has to be God's son. He, well, he was, he was God in the flesh. Through the flesh, he was the son of God. But in the spirit, he was God Almighty. So it was God. He was good. Yeah, that's okay. Now, remember, remember that we had three divisions. He was the Father in creation, the Son in salvation, and the Holy Ghost in regeneration. 
So he had three different roles or offices. You remember I was telling about, about myself. I'm a son, uh, I'm a father, and I'm a pastor, but there's only one of me. I have different offices, different, different uh, modes, if you would, that, that I operate in. I think everybody changes hats ever so often, you know, and you, but that's only one of you. You may be a plumber sometime at your house. You might wear a plumber's hat. You might work on your electricity and wear an electrician's hat. And uh, you might go out and chop wood and wood chopper's hat, but there's only one of you. Okay. Yeah, so that's, yeah, and that's how, yeah, you do, and that's what, that's what God did. That was, it's what he did. Now, after the resurrection, um, the, the apostles, the disciples of Jesus, you know, they kind of scattered about, and, uh, you know, they, they were downtrodden, they were downhearted. You know, Jesus, they, he kept telling them. He said, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise this, uh, this body after three days. They, they kind of scattered out. And then Jesus began to appear to them and, and prove who he was. Let's look, let's look at some of these scriptures because he gives infallible. And the word infallible means that no one can doubt who he was, that this was Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, that had defeated death. He, de- he, he descended into hell. He took the keys of death, hell, and the grave away from the devil. And now he had the power over death. So let's look at John 1, or Acts 1 and 3, and then John 20 and 20. Acts 1 and 3. Well, you had it right there. Good job. To whom also... He showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them for 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So for 40 days, he showed himself to his apostles. He spoke of the things pertaining to the future. Now, you, now think about this. If Jesus was to spend, now he'd only spent three and a half years with him, but if after the resurrection he spent 40 days walking around and talking to you 40 days do you think that you would know how to be saved you should shouldn't you yeah. and he did this with the apostles so we know that he spent this much time with those apostles so what those apostles preached we know are words that Jesus gave them to preach and that's what these, these called the great commission is really all about let's look at John 20 and verse 20 just a couple of pages back John 20 verse 20 20 and 20. You got it? Okay. All right, here we go. And when he had so said, he showed unto him his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, so send I you. So he told him, he said, I've been sent. Now I'm sending you. So he was going to give them the words that need to be preached to the world. He was going to give them that. So these were infallible proofs that, that he had. Now you remember we talked last week that uh, when Mary came into the garden, she saw Jesus walking after his resurrection, and he said, you can't touch me because I've yet to ascend to my Father. But now, now he's letting them touch him. In fact, a week after this, uh, we see Thomas coming in because Thomas was the doubter. You always heard of doubting Thomas. And he appeared to, to Thomas, and he, he said, all right, Thomas, he said, touch my hands, touch my side. 
And Thomas felt the wounds. He knew who he was. And when he, when he saw that it was the Lord, when he, he, he understood that it was Jesus, he fell down on the ground and he said, My Lord and my God. So he recognized not just Jesus, this was God in the flesh. He recognized him for who he was, my Lord and my God. All right, so they many infallible proofs. Now we're going to look. We're going to look at uh, what he said during this forty-day period. Now we're going to see this according to uh, to three different gospels. We're going to look at Luke, Mark, and Matthew. Then we're going to look at Acts, which Acts was written by Luke, the physician, and we're going to see what they what they heard. Now you got to remember, this is three different men that was given the Great Commission. These do not contradict one another. This gives you different aspects of what's important. And we're going to take our time to cover these because we need to understand this probably as much or more so than anything else at this particular time. So let's turn to Luke, Luke 24, Luke 24. And verse 45. Uh, and I'm just going to go a little bit above that. We'll, uh, we're going to we'll, we'll go up to uh, we'll go up verse 36. I'm going to read a little bit more, but I, I just want you to I want you to see this. We read part of this a little earlier. Start at verse 36. And as they thus spake, Jesus Himself stood in the midst of them, and said unto them, Peace. I'm sorry. Do we have it? Yeah, we have it. Okay. Stood in the midst of them and said, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. So they thought that they'd seen a ghost. That's what they're, what they're saying here. And he said unto them, Why are ye troubled? And why do, you, why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see that a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. Now see, notice this, Jesus, or God is a spirit. Now he just said something here It's really important. And a spirit has not flesh and bones. He, God, had to get the flesh and the bones from Mary, his mother. That's how God could inhabit flesh, because the Spirit doesn't have flesh and bones. When he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed, not for joy, and wondered, he said to them, Have ye here any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and a honeycomb. So here Jesus in his resurrected body was able to eat. And this body that Jesus has is a body like we will have after the Lord returns for his church. We'll have a body likened unto this one. Because he said, we will have a body likened unto his glorious body. And so he was able to eat. And he took it, did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then he did something. He opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Now here we go into what is called the Great Commission. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Now let's look at some things. What's the first thing he says? He says, And repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations. So we see repentance. Repentance. That has to be preached. 
and remission of sins. And we're going to see how do you get remission of sins. Well, you do it It's two-part. It's repentance and baptism. We'll see that in the next one we read. So you have to have remission of sins, and you have to have it preached, and you have to have his name. So we see this repentance, remission of sins. There has to be some preaching, and it has to be done in his name. And he said, do it among all nations. But you have to start at Jerusalem. Because the Jewish people had to first hear this before the Gentiles did. So all this had to be done in his name. Let's move on down. And he said, and ye are witnesses, verse 48, of, of these things. And behold, I send, here's the next part, the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. So we have a promise. A promise that also is part of it. He said, I'm going to give you a promise. And that promise is going to be fulfilled if you go and, and hang out in Jerusalem for a little while. And they did for ten days. They had to stay in Jerusalem. All right, now, that is according to Luke. So we see this repentance, remission of sins. We see preaching, and we see the promise. We also the promise. The promise is going to come. Now let's turn to Mark 16. Verses 15 through 18. Back now, we'll start with verse 14. I will always do this. I go up, we'll start at verse 14, I'll read down through there. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat. Now, remember, Judas had hung himself. So there's eleven of them right now. Okay, eleven as they sat at meat and abraded them with their, for their unbelief. I believe God still does that to us. Sometimes he gets after us. He said, I want you to believe. Puts us through hard times to make us believe again. If you find out when you serve God any length of time, when you get to some doubts in your heart, it seems like you go into hard times. Difficult times come upon you. And he says, I want you to trust. I want you to believe. I want you to trust. I want you to believe. And so he puts us through those times. And we have to learn again all over. And uh, I have to repent. If I, I get a little bit out of, out of sight with God and get a little upset. You know, I, I can't. You know, well, let me give you a little something. It's better to be mad at God than to ignore God. Because being mad at God means you still believe in Him. When you ignore Him, that's a lack of faith. You know, I was really mad yeah. at God. Yeah. See, and, and so, you, but the thing is, you still believe in Him. If you just pretend that He's not there, that hurts you more than anything else. So He puts us through. So and, and that's okay. You just have to. Look, I've been mad at God a few times. I have. Is so it God, the devil you that makes you mad? Uh, not and always. Not always. Not always the devil that makes you mad. I, I, and there's times the devil, you've got to remember, the devil can tempt you, but he can't make you. So he puts the right things out there. It's like a, like a, it's like a chessboard, checkerboard. Puts the right things in front of you, and you run into them. And then our own humanity, our own carnality, gets in the way, and we get angry. You know, the Bible says that you can be angry and sin not. He said, but don't let the sun set on your wrath. In other words... It's okay for the emotion of anger to show up. Just don't keep it very long. It's when we entertain anger. It's when we keep anger and we put it in our heart. That's where the, that's where the bad actually occurs. Because anybody, anger is an emotion. And things can flare up. We can do stupid things. You know, you get mad at her. I get mad at my wife. She punches me in the eye and I have to forgive her all over again. So, you know, <laughs> you, know you, get mad. you get mad at her. It's just that you don't want to go to bed. Don't let sunset on your ass. Don't go to bed angry. 
Make it right before you go to sleep. That's the thing. That's the key. And, you know, and a lot of times what happens is we get angry. We get angry, then we, we hang on to it. You know, I'm going to get even. <laughs> I'm going to get that person for what they did. That's where it gets bad. Well, I can understand. 20 years, I think we served hits and fights. And well, you know what? I've been, still. I've been fighting with my wife for 39. <laughs> you ain't going to win. Oh, you ain't going to win. And you see, that's when you really know you're married. It's when the man finally gives up. He just says, I can't beat her. <laughs> I think it's the opposite. Is that the opposite? Yeah, I have to give up and walk away, right? <laughs> well, there's got to be one of them that gives up. That's the key. You've got to be one of them. But the thing is, if you're, if you're a human, there's going to be disagreements. That's just, don't let guilt eat you up for that. Because that's what the devil gets you right there. He'll get you with guilt. And that's the biggest tool that he has, making us feel bad. You know, I messed up again, I messed up again. Until finally you just kind of throw up your hands and walk away, and that's the worst thing that you can do. It's the worst thing. You know, walk away from God, be mad at God, you don't want to do that. That's where prayer is such a powerful tool. You get down, you begin to pray, and God, help me work through this. I can't do this on my own. Help me to work through it. And he will. He's been amazing to me. He's really helping me so much. Oh, yeah, and he'll continue to do so. Good for you. Good for you. That steps forward. Don't don't feel bad about having little blow-ups. Lord, we all do. You know how you measure a man is the ability to get up when he falls down. Everybody's going to fall. How I measure a person is the ability to get up after they fall. You know, because I, I, everybody falls. It's when you stay down there and wall around in self-pity. That's the worst part. You've got to get up. You've got to get up and say, I'm going to go through that. I'm going to make this work. I'm going to do it. I'm not God on my side. I'm gonna, and you have to talk to yourself into it. Oh, what? Just, I, get, I, I just protect my guns. And yeah, well, and that's that's where the devil is. That's wrong. That's yeah, wrong. that's right. That's right. That, me. And I don't that's let that go. I know I gotta let it go. Yeah. Don't don't. And you know what? Don't get upset with yourself. It doesn't leave immediately. Because how long have you been this way? How old are you? You know, you know I've been like the devil for a long time. Yeah. It ain't been that long. I've been good. Yeah. And I really ain't that good. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. You know, you, 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 and that's okay. Two months, three months. Yeah. 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 So you've been, that's what I'm saying. You have a long time to make habits. We, make, we, get, we get habits in our life. Now you just got to learn to break those habits. And it'll come. It'll come. I got to spirit a guy and I don't want, it's all nothing. No wrong. Yeah. I mean, I do wrong, but. I, it's there. I think about it before I do it. It's, I'm praying. And that's, and that's key. I, that, that's the difference between men and women, though. Man has... has it's where the Bible says, you know, and, and Paul was telling men, actually was telling Timothy, talking about men. Uh, you know, he said, he said, I would that men everywhere would lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubting, because Paul knew that's where men's biggest hang-up was, without wrath and without doubting. I would that men wouldn't be angry and wouldn't doubt. That's what he was saying. But the only way to overcome that, he said, is to raise holy hands. And that means you've got to worship God. You've got to love God. Worship God. When we have church services, you know, we come into worship services. Best thing a man can do is dealing with doubt, dealing with wrath, or dealing with anger. Raise holy hands and begin to let God just take all that out of him. And, you know, don't, there again, I tell men in the church all the time, you're going you're gonna to get angry. It just don't 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 give up. It takes some time. It takes some time, and it takes giving every day. It's where Paul said, "I die daily." Now, what was he talking about? 
He's talking about he had to die to his own nature every day. When you get up, you've got that nature in you that you've got to die to. That's what, that's what this wonderful salvation is all about. All right, let's move on. Uh, Mark 16. I'm sorry. Yeah, Mark 16. Um, okay, verse 15. And he, said, and he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now let's look at this. Preaching, we just read Mark 16. We talked about preaching in, John, in, in Luke. So you've got to have a preacher. You've got to have repentance. And let's look on. He said, I want the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So you have to have a preacher. Uh, Paul told the Corinthian church, you can't be saved without one. You've got to have a preacher. He that believeth, now we see believing added to it, and is baptized. Now we see baptism. According to Acts, the second chapter, you're baptized to get the remission of sins. So we have Luke talking about the remission of sins. We have Mark talking about being baptized and preaching the gospel and believing. You know, there's no sense in a person going to the altar and repenting, getting baptized in Jesus' name, unless he believes in it. That doesn't mean that doubt them creep in. I'm not saying that. But you've got to initially have that belief. I'm tired. What's our repentance is, is I'm tired of being the way that I am. I'm sick of it. I want to make a change. That's what real repentance is. It's the desire to make the change. And then you're baptized in Jesus' name, and that buries that old man in water. Your sins are remitted. That's what he's saying here. Now let's move on. Okay, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Now I want you to note something. It does not say he that believeth and is saved should be baptized. It said he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So baptism goes before salvation. You don't get baptized as an add-on experience. You're baptized because that's, that's part of what saves you. But he that believeth not shall be damned. So believing means you'll be baptized. So if you're not baptized, you're not believing and you can be damned. That's what it's saying. And these signs shall follow them but believe in my name. Notice we have the name. We see the name in Luke. In my name uh, they shall cast out devils, and they shall speak with new tongues. Now, when you receive the baptism, we're going to get to that. I probably won't get to all of it today. But when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the, the sign that you've received it is a new tongue. You'll speak in a, a new tongue. Now, before... You can do that. And, and notice the order of this. He said, you got to get the devil off your back first. You know, get that dude off. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't try to come back. Believe me. You know, it's, it's, the devil's like a bad penny. He, get him, he'll run out the back door, but he's always hanging around out there waiting for someone to come back to him. All right, so, so you know, he, 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 you get rid of him first. And then, you, you know, you're believing. You get rid of the devil. Then God will begin to fill you with the Holy Ghost if you're seeking it. And when he does, you will speak with a new tongue. Now, notice that's one of the signs. Okay. They cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents. Now, the last, uh, next, see, the first, the first Sunday night that you can, you can get here when I have the special services, that's when we, we get the rattlesnakes out. Okay? We'll get them out and we'll, we'll let you handle them. <laughs> Don't run out the back door on me, okay? <laughs> Everybody in the place will be running out the back door. <laughs> Now, I, I got always when I get to this, in a couple of stories. I, I, got, I had this, when I, I first was saved, I had a guy that, that worked for me. I worked at Four Winds and uh, Marina's Arbor Master. And, and uh, this guy worked for me, and he knew I was Pentecostal. And this is the first thing he thought of was taking snakes, taking up snakes. 
And he kept telling me, I, I handle snakes all the time. I, you know, and I just went along with him. He was a friend of mine. I said, yeah, I said, if you come, I'll teach you how to handle these snakes. <laughs> you know, and he, he could tell he wasn't quite sure. And I kept it up. Well, one day we were in our maintenance room. Now, our, our shop floated. We were, were on the water. And we had those big banded water snakes. I don't know if you've ever seen them. They're called North American banded water snakes. Get big around your wrist. They're not cotton mouths, but they're banded water snakes. And those things would get up underneath that dock and sometimes come in into where we were working. Well, there was one of them laying there, and he was a big one. And I, I you know, those things never bothered me. And I said, we've got to get this thing out of here. And he was flat scared to death snakes. <laughs> and, and, and so we were chasing that snake around, and it got in behind some lumber, and I pulled that lumber out. And I, I couldn't figure He disappeared. I thought he had, and he was so close to my back I couldn't see him. He was right there behind me, just so close. And and I reached down, and picked that snake up, and he jumped back and said, "I knew it. I knew you handled snakes." <laughs> well, needless to say, I got rid of the snake, and and a few weeks later, he was in the bathroom. We had public restrooms. He was cleaning it, and I found one of those. <laughs> I threw it in there and held the door shut. <laughs> But, you know, for all of this, I wound up being able to teach him a Bible study. Now, he, not in, I haven't seen him in a long time. As far as I know, he's not living for God. He wound up marrying a backslidden Pentecostal girl. And I wound up marrying him to her. <laughs> and so anytime they have trouble, they still know where to come. They'll, they'll still give me a call. So. But regardless, we don't handle snakes. But what does this mean? This simply means this. And I think there's a twofold meaning. Serpents. The Bible t- calls Satan the serpent. Okay. It calls him a serpent. I believe what he's saying here is that you don't have to worry. You can handle him now. He's not going to. He's not going to. You can take him up and throw him out. On the other side of it, I also believe that in a case where an individual, that if we have faith, uh, and I've, I've not seen this personally, but I've read stories where uh, actually a person, some of the early Pentecost, that they were out, that they were bitten by poisonous snakes. And they just prayed for it and walked away and never had any problem. So, you know, it's just saying the same way it says, and if you drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm you. I know uh, for sure, I know for a fact that we had missionaries one time that were given poison because, because the person who gave them poison knew this scripture. And they said, we're going to see if you really serve God or not. And that made them drink poison. And they had no harmful, they didn't do it purposely. You know, the people, I'm not saying, I'm saying, okay, I've got a glass of poison. I'm going to show you how holy I am. I'm going to drink it. I'd probably, because the Bible says, you shall not tempt the Lord thy God. That would be tempting God. But if someone forced me in a, in, in a case to do that, I could trust God that it would take care of it. And that's what I, I believe this is saying. And they shall take up serpents, and they drink any deadly thing. It shall not hurt them. And look at this. Last one, they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So that's part of the point of healing. If you've got the faith, you can lay hands. Whoever you are, if you've got the faith, you can lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. That's not just, just for preachers. It says, these signs shall follow them that believe. Okay, so we see this. We see signs that follow people. Now, he that believeth is baptized, shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. We see remission of sins. We see preachers. And you've got to have preachers. We see repentance. So we've got baptism. We've got, we've got repentance. We've got preaching. And we've got signs that shall follow them that believe. We have this. This is all the things that Jesus told his apostles before he ascended off the Mount of Olives. All right, let's go to the next. Let's see what Matthew has to say about it. All right, let's go to Matthew 28.
Okay, verse 18. Are you ready? And Jesus came and spake to them, excuse me, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Now, I want you to notice something. We'll stop there a minute. If there were, were, were three gods, Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, if they were three distinct, separate, then the other two don't have any power. Because what he just said, all power is given unto me. That shows you that Jesus was God in the flesh. Okay? And then just look at verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name. We see the name again. We had a name here, right? We had a name over here. Now, how many names does it say? Is that one name or is that three names? Is that got an S on it? No S. No all right. Got a name. Okay. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. Now, can anybody tell me what's the name of the Father? What? Say it now. Jesus. Jesus. That's all I'm looking for. What's the name of the Son? Jesus. What's the name of the Holy Ghost? Jesus. Who's Jehovah? Jehovah is the Almighty God in the Old Testament. When he became a man in the New Testament, his name Jesus means, this is what it means, Jehovah has become my salvation. So the name of Jesus means Jehovah has come to save mankind. That's what Jesus means. So, yeah, it's the same. But he just came in the flesh. Jehovah in the Old Testament, Jesus in the New Testament. Because Jesus, that's why it has, we have to have the name, because it's the only salvational name there is. And if you look in the, again, I won't take the time, but if you go in the Old Testament, there's all kinds of names. There's El, there's Elohim, uh, there's Jesh, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Jehovah Jireh, uh, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Shema. All of them begins with Jehovah, but each one of them has me. Jehovah has become my uh, salvation. Jehovah's become my uh, rock. You know, each one, Jehovah's my peace. But in the New Testament, Jesus fulfills all of that. Okay? He fulfills all of that. All of that. So, let's, let's look at the rest of it here. Um, where was I? All powers of the Okay. Baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now look at verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. What's that promise we have there? I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So we see now we have to be baptized, we have to understand the name, and we have to teach. Teaching is added to this. Everything that you see in the church today has been taught to us by Jesus, actually to, given to the apostles to write down, and we go by what this book says and what this this great commission tells us to do okay now let's look at acts verses one or i'm saying chapter one verses four through eight we went through this before because i've got a hot on oh well i've probably been here before yeah I, yeah i have I'll give you a second here. Okay. Verses 4 through 8. And it says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Now what the 
apostles wanted was for him to set up his kingdom now. All right, we've won, set up your kingdom. That's 2,000 years ago. We've got the kingdom of God here in our hearts now, but a literal kingdom is yet to be set up here on the earth. So now the kingdom, that's where the mistakes were made back then. They looked for a literal kingdom. And he said, before we have a literal kingdom, we're going to have a spiritual kingdom. And that means that you, and uh, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you enter into a new kingdom. You're going, you know, we obey the laws of the land, but our true obedience and everything that we do, we, we listen to God, which makes us better and being more obedient uh, to uh, greater laws than even the laws of the land are. Uh, our laws are much more intense than the laws of the land. And if we listen to the moral laws and we go by the laws that God has set up for us, we will be obedient to the laws of the land unless they go against the laws of God. Okay? Now, let's go on. And he said in verse 7, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the world. So he said, now the promise is going to come. You go to Jerusalem, go to the upper room, which is probably John Mark's mother's place is what they felt like it was. They go to that upper room and tarry there till the promise be given to you. Okay? Now, from that point, he goes to the Mount of Olives and he ascends. And let's look at that. Let's look at that. Is that Acts 1, 9? Yeah, Acts 1, 9. Okay, and we'll read down through there. Let's look at the first nine. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of sight. And while they were steadfastly looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, so shall so come in like manner that you have seen him go into heaven. Now, couple things we want to see. He goes off the Mount of Olives. And, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> when he comes back, not for the rapture. The rapture is just for the people who have got his spirit in them. But when he comes back and returns to this earth and sets up his kingdom, he'll come down on the Mount of Olives. There's a fault under the Mount of Olives. And it says that when, and the Bible says, and I believe it says, is that Zechariah? It doesn't say it there. But in Zechariah, I believe it says that when he touches the Mount of Olives, that it'll split asunder. And there's a fault there right now. So when his foot touches it, it'll split asunder. So he, when he returns, uh, he'll set up his literal kingdom. That'll be, of course, when the Battle of Armageddon, at the, at the fulfillment of the Battle of Armageddon and so forth, that, that goes on right then. And again, that's the book of Revelations. So from there, and this is interesting because the angel said, okay, you guys can stand here and look up into heaven. He's going to come again. Of course, they want him to come back right then, get everything going. It's what they wanted to do. That's trouble with a lot of church people today. They stand gazing into heaven all the time. They don't do anything. And everybody said amen. amen. Oh, I thought I got some. I thought I might get a response out of that. They just stand gazing into heaven. We need to do more than just gaze and wait for his return. There's a whole lot more to it. And that's what Jesus had told him. So he said, now, I want you to go back, go to Jerusalem. He said, I want you to wait. Okay, let's look at, uh, let's just look at, at, at uh, Acts 2. Now, for ten days... And we're going to look at verse, um, let's see where I want to start here. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll start verse 36. But anyway, for 10 days, they go into the upper room, 
and they are tearing, is what they call it. Uh, they're waiting for the promise to come. And, and as they do that, I don't believe that they, they probably spent this ten days fasting. And so they were seeking. They were, they were waiting on something. They said, all right, Jesus told us to go. Let's, let's, let's go, and we're going to see what's called a dispensation, which is a period of time that God deals with man that always ends in judgment. And this dispensation is the one we're living in right now. It's called the grace dispensation. That means God has given us an opportunity. What, what, and that's how everybody can say the unmerited favor of God. To me, grace means one thing. It's opportunity. You know, God has given me an opportunity not to go to hell. God's given me an opportunity to do better in my life. God's given me an opportunity to, to, to preach the gospel to every creature. God's given me an opportunity, not just, you know, a place to stand gazing into heaven. Okay, so that's what our, our dispensation is. The church begins right here. So while they are waiting, while they are waiting, all of a sudden they, there was, they heard a sound of a rushing mighty wind, and it said it filled all the house, or in this upper room, it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as of fire. Okay, it appeared setting upon them. Now, keep this in mind. I have heard people, it didn't happen for me, I've heard people make the statement that when they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, they heard a rushing mighty wind. I've had people even mention that they have seen tongue, or tongues of fire, just like a flame of fire, sitting upon the head of a person as they received it. I've never seen that. I've never had it happen to me. But I also know this, that when the law was initially read in the Old Testament, when Moses was given the law in Sinai, and he got down in front of all Israel and he began to read those Ten Commandments, it said that the, Mount Sinai, uh, that the mountain began to shake and, and rumble and fire appeared on it when he initially read it. But it never did that afterwards. They read the law many times. But it's the initial giving of the Holy Ghost. These signs did it. The one sign that we know that follows it is when they speak with other tongues because you're going to see one example after the other of that happening in the Scripture. They all spoke with tongues. This didn't always happen. But regardless... They, they, they spent time, and, and God begins to deal with them. Let's look before we come. Uh, well, we're already at Acts 2. Let me read that, that to you. Um, um, yeah, Acts 2, verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God... Now, what happened here is when the people... Before I start reading, I should have... The people saw what was happening, and they said, what's, what's this happening? He said, these, these men are, are, are drunk. I mean, they're all out there spilled out and all this stuff. These men are drunk. And, and, and uh, with new wine. Now, new wine was extremely intoxicating. They said that new wine was, it was grapes. Old grapes was soaked in wine. Then they were pressed again. That's what new wine was. So these got doubly, so when they said new wine, they meant they was really doubly intoxicated. But what Peter said, these men are not drunken as you suppose. He didn't say they weren't drunk. He said you're not drunk as you suppose because they're drunk on something else. Okay, on the spirit. And so they acted like drunk people when they, they were, were filled with the Holy Ghost. So, so what Peter does is he stands up and he says, all right, I'm going to explain to you, I'm going to preach to you what's happening here. So you're looking at this 120 that have spilled out of this upper room onto the streets and they're all acting like drunk people and they're all speaking with languages, you know, and, and you don't get it. So let's, let's read what, what he says here. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom he crucified both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, so he had just preached to them throughout this chapter. Now when they heard this, all these people, they were pricked or they were smote. 
like someone taking his fist and smacking you right in the chest, in their heart, and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Now let me ask you something. If, if, if you are feeling, if you, if you feel what these men are feeling, and, and you look and you say, all right, God, and you're saying this, and before God, what can I do? I, I, I want to be saved. Do you think that they're going to lie to you or God's going to allow them to lie to you? No. So what, it's an honest question. And so it should be an honest answer. Okay, so what's he say? Verse 38, Then Peter said unto them, Now, who was given the keys to the kingdom? Peter was. Peter was given the keys to unlock the door to salvation. Jesus handed him those keys. And it's Peter that had to be the first one to preach the message to the Jews, to the Gentiles, and to the Samaritans. It had to be Peter who unlocked the door. And so it was Peter who stood up on this day and preached to the Jews what they needed to do. Then Peter said unto them, Repent. Remember what? We, we saw repentance in the Great Commission, didn't we? Repent and be baptized. We saw that in the Great Commission. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, we saw that in the Great Commission, didn't we? For the remission, we saw that in the Great Commission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, for the promise, we saw that in the Great Commission. Because the Holy Ghost is a promise. For the promise is unto you, and I say, for the promise is unto you and to just the twelve apostles. Is that what that says? Oh, I didn't say here. I thought you said eleven, because one of them was. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, to the eleven apostles. All right. Now, see, you caught that. That was pretty good. Now they did pick. They they did pick another uh, one to take his place called Matthias. They did do that. So Matthias... Oh, so but there that, was 12. Yeah there, well, yeah, there was 12 later, but you caught that. I'm, that's good. I'm proud of you. I have to smack my hands for making that mistake. <laughs> so it didn't say to just the, just the 11 apostles at this time, okay? It didn't say to just them. I don't mean to disrupt you what you do. <laughs> yeah, so, so it is safe. Because the promise is unto you and to what? To your children. And to all those that are far off. Some religions say that the only reason that they were speaking in tongues is because all... See, there was, uh, Ju, Ju, Judaism was a... Was, you know, was a, they were a culture and a nation, but they were scattered everywhere. So you had people that spoke all kinds of different languages. And, and they'll say that Peter had to preach in these different languages in order for them to understand about Jesus Christ. But you see, that's not true because the New Testament is written in the Greek language. Everybody knew the Greek language. What Peter was preaching in was Greek. And so he preached it in a language that everybody understood. What they heard was all these 120 out here speaking in different languages, and they understood that language just because there was 18 different languages spoken that day. And that's the same way when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I've, I've had it happen. In fact, uh, one of the best stories for me personally, I was in, uh, it was in, a, uh, in Palau, which is a, an island over by the Philippines, or close to the Philippines, and I was, uh, I went out and baptized a, a Filipino, and uh, I baptized him in Jesus' name in the ocean. And when he came out, his hands raised, and he was praising God in English. Well, I, you know, I'm, I speak English, <laughs> and and uh, the lady who pastors a church over there told me she said she yelled at me. She said he can't speak English, so he was speaking in a word in a language I could understand that he couldn't speak in. So, so, you know, and that happens a lot. 
It happens a lot. So there can be people in a church and someone can be speaking in tongues and they may understand Spanish. And there can be different, there's so many different dialects, so many different languages uh, that, that people can speak that doesn't mean that they're, always gonna, they're not going to always be understood. But sometimes they are. Okay? So, he said, The promise is unto you and to your children, to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. It wasn't just for the, the 11 apostles, which is to be 12. Uh, apostles. It wasn't just for the people that were there. It was it was for everybody. So he said he told them this. Repent now. Now these promises, and we're going to go to a couple of these. We're going to go to uh, let's let's look at where the church begins. Let's look at Ephesians first. That's Ephesians five. Yeah, Ephesians five twenty five. Go there. Ephesians five twenty five. I'm moving at a snail's pace today. I'm right on with you. I am moving at his his nail's pace. (laughs) You're fast. I keep up with you today. (laughs) 5.25. Okay. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. Now notice this. He's making a comparison, Paul is, to the, um, to the church and the relationship between husband and wife. Okay? He said, husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. So a good relationship with the husband and wife is the same relationship that Jesus has with the church. He's willing to die for the church. Husbands should be willing to die for their wives. That's what he's saying. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. So how does the church stay pure? It's through preaching. Got to have a preacher. And that's how it stays pure. Um, and the reason he does this is that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. So one thing about that, I always like to win there. He was talking about the relationship to church, but one thing men are told, they're supposed to be, they're supposed to be selfish. You notice that. It doesn't say about a woman to, to, to love as he loves, she loves herself, but a man because he's selfish by nature, all of us. We're to love our, <laughs> love our wives as we love ourselves. Oh, that's kind of scary stuff there. Okay. Now, we're going to go, and we're going to look at... Uh, at uh, let's look at Isaiah. Go back to the Old Testament. These are, these are prophecies concerning what we have today in the church and how we are to be saved. These are prophecies concerning that. Isaiah 28. Now, you've got to remember, this was thousands of years prior to uh, the church age. And we're going to look at, uh, we're going to look at, start with verse 9. Isaiah 28, just let me know when you're there. Starting with verse 9. Are you ready? Okay, now again, this is Isaiah prophesying of the day that we live in now. Whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. 
In other words, there comes a time that you've got to, you need more understanding. And then the more that we pull away and, and, and pull away from the world, the more that we don't need constant attention, the more he teaches us. And that's the way it really works. Now look at this. And he was telling this before the church ever happened. He said for this, um, for precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. Okay, so he said this is going to come gradually. This is going to come gradually because people can't understand. Uh, you know, Jesus had to come. He had to die to give his life for the church. He said it's going to be gradual. In verse 11, he said, For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest, and this is refreshing, yet they would not hear. And this is the Jewish people. Jesus came to give them this opportunity. There was Jewish people saved, lots of them. But as a nation, they did not accept him as a Messiah, nor what he had to offer them. So he didn't. Well, while we're there, let's go, to, uh, let's go to Jeremiah, which is just the next book back towards the center. Jeremiah 31. Verse 31. This is a great scripture. He said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. He said, It's going to be a new covenant, a new agreement. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Are you not there? Okay. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which... My covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them. We see it again, the relationship. Husband to them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. This is talking about our day today, that God's law should be written in our hearts. That's why we have the word of God and we need to memorize the word of God. These things need to be written in our hearts. It's one thing. It's one thing to be able to, to and, and let me rephrase that, let me put this correctly. It's one thing to be able to memorize it. It's something else to have it in your heart. It's a different thing. So I know people that can give you, quote to you, verse in Scripture. You know, can vote to you ever chapter and verse, I'm sorry. Chapter and verse, but yet they don't have it in their hearts. There's a difference. The one thing to know it, something else to live it. A person that lives it has it written in their hearts. And that's what we want. I, you know, I would that everybody could quote scripture and give me chapter and verse. And I'm not even very good chapter and verse. I quote scripture, chapter and verse. I'm terrible at. But the thing is, I want it here. I want it here. And when I'm preaching, I want it to be able to come from there. You know, not as a matter of just memorization, but to have it there with me. Look at Joel. Let's go to one. Let's go to one more. Joel two twenty eight. Joel's in the back of the Old Testament. harder to find. Small book. Minor prophet. I got this. This has been my Bible study Bible for uh, 30 years. And I hadn't been using it. And I got it out. And it just automatically falls open because it's been used so much on those things. So it gives me a, an advantage. 
Verse 28 says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Now note this. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heaven and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. That's quoted in the book of Acts. When, they, when Peter was preaching, he quoted that scripture in the book of Acts and told them, this Holy Ghost, you see these people who look like they're drunk. You see all this happening. He said, this is what Joel was talking about. So all of this is biblical and right. You can't shortcut it. And people want to. They want to make shortcuts. We want to just easy believism. I want to believe that Jesus existed. But you know, you stop and think about this. You know, I, I believe that Abraham Lincoln existed. But I don't know him. <laughs> All right. You know, there's a difference there. I believe Jesus existed, but I know Jesus. I got him in my heart. I've got him in there. I spoke in tongues when he came in. I baptized in Jesus' name. That's an important thing. I know him. And you know what I'm going to do? This is still part of that lesson, but I'm not going to. I'm going to take my time with this. This is telling you what each. Example of repent. What is repentance? We're going to go through the scripture of what repentance is. And then we're going to talk about water baptism, the sign of the covenant. Well, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fulfillment of the circumcision of the flesh in the Old Testament. That water baptism is that. And uh, then we're going to talk about the, uh, the covenant name, Jesus. You know, why it's important. These are the things that we, we talked about in the, uh, in the uh, Great Commission. And you remember, you wrote down some of this. So I want to ask you some of those things that came up next week on the Great Commission because we'll be teaching on that. And then we're going to see the Holy Spirit is given to believers. So we're going to be talking about all those next week. Are you ready for that? All right. All ready. Let's see. i got five minutes to the duck. Go for it. Yeah, we're pretty good. All right, any questions, comments? I've got to say complaints just in case. Yeah, you can get confused very easy. Uh huh. And I know I. It's this the hard road for me. Sure, sure. You know, believe it or not, it it, it always and you got to keep in mind. Always remember this, that it is a hard road. But when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you let God just take over, it it becomes much easier. It's a matter, and this is you. Sometimes you battle this all your life. It's a matter of who's in control. You know, am I, and, and men again, men like to control. But if I give it to God and let him control, then my life becomes easier. And the more you learn, the easier it becomes. It doesn't mean there's not going to be hardships. The one thing that I've learned after years of serving God, there's a lot of hardships, a lot of battles. And sometimes I get disappointed. I don't want to say discouraged, <laughs> disappointed. Uh, sometimes I get disappointed. But I also know where to go to get my strength back. And he always restores that to me. And every time I, I get really disappointed, God always gives me something to offset that. He gives me something good in my life. You know what our problem is? Is that a lot of times we don't look for the good. We always focus on the bad. And when God has given us all that good, and if we could just take and refocus, focus on those good things, then we'd realize just how good God has been in all. You know, you stop and think, you know, in fact, I'm sitting before you right now. That's a blessing from God. You know, there's a lot of people out here, and even, and you can say the same thing. You know, 
you could be gone. You could be dead. I could be. There's been a lot of things in the past. You know, a year ago this this week, I was in, I was in a hospital with thinking I was going to lose my foot. You know, and I wasn't too sure. I was afraid I was going to lose my leg. And uh, you know, I got down to business with God. I'll never forget. You know, I prayed and prayed, and then I said, I am so sick. It hurt so bad. I was hurting so bad. I pulled myself into the bathroom and said, God, either heal me or kill me, but I want one or the other. Now, I know that's, that sounds, but I'm in it. I was sick of that. And the next day, I got better. Next day. I, I, I flipped, smashed, crushed almost every vehicle a girl's had, and mine too. Yeah. I don't know what's wrong with me. Well. I don't have to be drinking. I don't have to be high. I just get, I don't know. But, you, but you've got a great opportunity right now. God loves you so much he's given you this opportunity. Never forget that. No matter how bad you feel, how much the devil, and the devil well, loves you. I'm going to come to church. Oh, I know you are. I know. Well, it's a wonderful thing what God has done for us. I'm not a Christian. I know that. Well, let me tell you something. I know I'm not. When you get the Holy Ghost, you start the road towards Christianity, real Christianity. And some people are going to frown at me for this, but Christians means Christ-like. I don't feel like I've made it yet. You see what I'm saying? I don't feel, but I'm striving to get there. I'm striving to get there. And all of us striving. Well, this is a good church. Yeah. This One is of the a best. good church. And Eldar and Adam and uh, uh, the man took over today and the other boy. Yeah. When they, they, you could feel what they say. Yeah. Well, that's quite a compliment. They are, yeah, that's good. Them that's four good. are younger. Yeah, good, good. That's quite a compliment. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for what you've done, for what you've been. We praise you. We glorify you. And I pray, God, I pray a hedge about Bill and Amy this week. Keep them hedged in. Keep them strong. Don't let the devil come against them. And I know everybody out there in that congregation are praying for them right now. And let them feel the power and the prayers, Jesus. Let them feel. We praise you and we glorify you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, 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 thank you, Lord. Thank you, Bill and Amy. Lord bless you abundantly. I'm looking so forward when both of you just get everything you need from God. I'm going to be right there with you.